Today's scripture reading comes from the letter to the Romans in chapter 12. Listen for God's word to us. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who, who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Be, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The word of the Lord for us today. Let's pray. Gracious God, we come now to listen for your word to us. Open our ears to hear, our minds to be attentive to your spirit. This morning and this week, fill us with your word and your love. Amen. As we begin this week, where Todd Bolsinger left off last week, thinking about disruption and worship, I want to invite you again to share your thoughts in the comments section on Facebook. So here's the question for this week. What is genuine love? What is genuine love? Go ahead and respond when you have a thought. Now, I know that there are English majors and theologians, philosophers, and psychologists in our community. So it might be intimidating to share your thoughts. To that, I want to say two things. The first, imagine what it's like to be their pastor. And the second, which is actually more important, we need one another. We are all gifted by God's spirit. We have different understandings of scripture. Not one of us has a complete understanding. We need one another to listen for God's word together. So share as the spirit leads you in reflecting on this question, what is genuine love? I'll be coming back to it in a moment. Let me remind you where we're picking up from this week. Todd was sharing last week about Jesus's command response when asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like that, love your neighbor as yourself. He talked about how in worship, we are, God is getting our attention. 
God is responding and asking us to pay attention. And from that, we go out and love our neighbor. The act of loving our neighbor is a part of our worship. And so as we are living in these uncertain times, as we're living in a time where our whole lives are upended, there's all sorts of disruption. It makes sense that our worship is also disrupted. And how beautiful that this disrupted worship is in a place for us to reconsider not only how we gather together, not only what it means to be community, but also how we can love our neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the command. Now, love is a word that gets thrown around a lot. I say, I love you to my daughter. I say, I love you to my dogs. I love hot tea and a good book on a rainy day, only when it's my day off. Love is a multi-purpose word. With words like love, we need to get some context to be able to understand the meaning. See, words are like paint. They have shades of meaning that are put on display when brought together on a canvas. So, we come to this passage in Romans where Paul is instructing the church in Rome on what it means to love, flushing out Jesus's command to love our neighbor. And Paul's list gives us a sense of the whole of what loving our neighbor as ourself might look like. And here we come to this first statement, love should be genuine. And I asked you to reflect on what is genuine love. Kelly said, willing the best for someone else, even at your own expense. Yes, genuine love. Loving what is good. Wanting something for somebody else. That's genuine love. Hating what is evil. That's a part of genuine love. Seeking the truth is a part of genuine love. Delighting in others, that's a part of genuine love. Holding fast to goodness is a part of genuine love. We come to this place in our lives where love looks really different. We can't hug each other. We can't even really be in the same rooms together. The things that we might have once done to show our love to our neighbor, to our best friends, to our family members, they're just not available to us anymore. And so we have to get creative. What does genuine love look like from six feet apart? What does genuine love look like when you can't be with your loved ones for major celebrations? What does genuine love look like when you're not at the deathbed of a loved one? These are all things that we're having to consider maybe for the first time. This is hard. It's unsettling. We know this isn't good. 
we know that it breaks our hearts. So what I'm asking us to consider today, I, I fully realize is uncomfortable and with everything else that we're facing, maybe something that we don't want to do. And yet I think that this is our calling as Christians to come together repeatedly, even in these really challenging circumstances, to take this disruption as an opportunity to grow, to rethink, to reimagine, as one of my friends wrote about on Facebook this morning, to take it as a moment to detox, to see the ways that what we thought were love, maybe aren't really, and where the ways that love could grow in difficult soil. Paul says that we should have mutual affection, that we should outdo one another in giving honor. I love this idea to care for one another and to try to show more honor than the other person, to rejoice in this giving of respect, of noticing, of seeing the other person, and having that be a foundation of mutual affection. It's not so much then about my activity as it is about seeing the other person revel in my love. Paul continues and he says, serve God with passion. Don't lack in ardor. Rejoice that God is with us and is present and creative and has lived in us this whole time. And we have this opportunity to see the world anew by God's spirit, trusting in God's love that doesn't ever let us go. That that's the basis for our love of neighbor is God's great love for us. A part of love is rejoicing in hope which becomes an even more uh, difficult practice, I find, when I'm listening to the news, frankly, when I am um, sitting and thinking about the things that I'm not able to do. And rejoicing in hope becomes a lot easier when I'm outside, even in the heat, when I watch my daughter learn how to stack blocks for the first time or take her first steps. I rejoice in the hope that there's more going on than the fear that can sometimes overwhelm. And that's not to say that I don't have bad days, that I don't hit the wall, that I don't um, get crippled with anxiety or frustration at my own lack of productivity. That's why this command is an important part of love, rejoicing in hope, because I think rejoicing in hope is what gives us the capacity to love. Paul continues by saying to be patient in suffering, to persevere in prayer, being patient in suffering and persevering in prayer, to contribute to the needs of the saints and extend hospitality to strangers, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep. 
this pandemic has disrupted our lives. It has disrupted our worship. But in the middle of the pandemic, there's an opportunity to change our habits. As one of the parents during happy hour remarked this week, we have had 40 days and that's how long it takes to change a habit, right? This has been an opportunity to rethink our priorities, to try out something new, that sourdough starter, learning to garden. And as I wanna suggest, learning a new way to love. Thank you for sharing what you have thought about genuine love. I hope that you'll continue to share with one another after today. In reflecting on this passage, I want to point out that all of these commands are given in the plural, which means that it's not something that we do on our own. Love is not an individual act, but it's an act of the whole community. We aren't meant to love alone. We're meant to love together and to learn how to do this together. I've seen a few examples of that this week that I want to highlight. On Friday, I had the opportunity to rejoice with a friend who was rejoicing. I went to a Zoom wedding. My maid of honor got married on Friday and it was beautiful. There were a couple hundred of us watching on Facebook Live, just like you're watching this worship service today. And we um, posted comments, people took photos, people dressed up, they toasted with champagne, they sent their love. It was this beautiful image of rejoicing with those who were rejoicing. And it was heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to not be there for those moments. But I was so grateful to have the opportunity to share it with her, to support her as she steps into this new stage of life. I wonder how can you rejoice with those who are rejoicing today? And the next command, weep with those who weep. In the uh, Wall Street Journal this week, one of a professor at Duke um, Divinity School, Kevin Rowe, wrote a reflection on his experience with his wife being in hospice. I lift that up to you to read because it's worth reading and my summary is not going to be sufficient. But the thing that I took away from it, this idea that he was um, putting forward, was that death is this invitation having this time to reflect on death is an invitation to think about what's true, to think about what's good, and to weep with one another. And that that's a deeply centering and beautiful practice. He reflected on conversations he's had with his wife in hospice where they have talked about what they're going to miss together, their son's graduation, his wedding growing old together, to be able to name the loss with your loved ones. It's so, um, it's hard to say that. It's hard to step into that space. And yet I was so moved by his article because I thought, yes, that's good. It's deeply right. 
and it feels right and congruent to be able to have those conversations with our loved ones, to weep together, even if it's over FaceTime or a phone call, which isn't sufficient, I know, but it is an opportunity to hold on to what is good and true and right, even in our sorrows. So weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice, those are key aspects of our love together. And we come now to contributing to the needs of the saints. Christine Pohl writes about hospitality a lot. And one of the things that she writes about, it, particularly in the Christian tradition, she writes about this passage and how the emperor, the Roman emperor Julian said, it is disgraceful when no Jew ever has to beg. And the impious Galileans, the Christians, support not only their poor, but ours as well. All men see that our people lack aid from us. Teach those of the Hellenic faith to contribute to the public service of this sort. Emperor Julian was noting that the Christians and the Jewish people knew how to take care of the poor. They knew how to love their neighbor. And it put everyone else to shame because they were reaching out and doing things that the emperor wasn't doing. This early description of Christian hospitality as a public service, it shows how important hospitality contributing to the needs of the saints was from the earliest days of Christianity. And throughout the history of Christianity, it led to the development of schools and hospitals, of soup kitchens and food banks. These are all based in this practice of sharing hospitality to strangers. We find ourselves today trying to figure out how can we contribute to the needs of the saints in new ways. In just a little bit, Caroline and Grace Pecor are going to share about one organization that we can support during this time, Door of Hope. But I invite you to not only listen to their um, encouragement to reach out to Door of Hope, but to think yourself, what are ways that I can reach out to the community? Whether it's through an organization in Pasadena like Union Station Homelessness Services or Door of Hope or Elizabeth House. How can we extend hospitality not only in our community, but also to those who are strangers? I want to let you know about another opportunity with the Presbytery of San Gabriel to deliver uh, gift cards to folks who have been released from asylum. There's a uh, link on the Presbytery of San Gabriel website that you can go to to do that. This is one way that we can show hospitality to people that are new to this country, that are new in our community, that don't have what they need. These are some simple ways, but I, I believe in the creativity and the depth of compassion in our community that we together can find more ways that are creative, that hold on to what is good and right, that outdo one another in love and support. Friends, I invite you today, find a way to rejoice 
with someone who is rejoicing. And this week, find a way to weep with somebody that is weeping, to contribute to the needs of the saints in our community and in our neighborhood, and to extend hospitality to strangers. Rejoice in hope, persevere in prayer, be patient in suffering, and may you be blessed in your endeavors to love your neighbor as yourself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.